Lahayan. Also tough. What'd you drink? Never just down. I thought you would have a more visceral reaction to that. Like, I thought you might laugh, so I was already recording. Um, th- that was one of two opening ideas. The other was just opening and having the first thing on record saying, um, you ever had a Mallow Mars? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I should have gone with the latter. I'm glad we can discuss this, you know, as we're recording. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when, when better? That's when the magic happens. It's true. We've lost too much gold to the uh, the non-recorded hours of this podcast. We really have. I also, uh, sp- speaking of gold, I just shifted my microphone. I probably sound better now. You do. So, we're, yeah, we're, we're off to a roaring start. Not only did that did that bit not land, uh, <laughs> the bit, by the way, was um, I turned on my camera to Keller. And when I, you know, did my cheers in Yiddish, I, uh, I took a shot of Rittenhouse 100. So we're just waiting for everybody to laugh. Like, is this thing on? Hello? Yeah, pretty um, much. I, I bombed. I tanked. But the that's the thing about comedy, Garrett, is that it's about how you recover from the bomb. It's not about the bomb itself. And I can't say that word too many times because I have way too much Arab in me. Um, so I pretty much reached my cap with that. You're still um, trying to get your Instagram account back. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, let's go with that narrative. That's fun. Um should we sh- do you want to set the record straight about what happened here there so uh <sighs> keller uh corbett at keller corbett is is not currently on instagram there have been some rumors as to why that is some are saying <laughs> it's a ban related to some comments made uh directed towards effie castleberry look if i just want to go on the record and say this if you know me you know that i'm not gonna get banned from instagram for talking shit to somebody you're gonna see my mug shot because i just ended up throw <laughs> i just ended up throwing hands with someone in the street and that you know i would never get kicked off of instagram i think i've only ever had like one post removed because it had like half of a titty in it that was like you know tasteful tasteful boob from like a you know repost of like an art account or some bullshit like that that's really the only qualm i've ever had with uh the instagram corporation now owned by you know it's meta it's all meta man Mm -hmm. um i'm a a meta man not a meta man uh you know we're we're gonna be able to wake up and have facebook in our eyes but we can't free the nipple well I, i don't have facebook so speak for yourself but um yeah i i I am in control of my account and I have since deactivated it temporarily just to sort of step away from, you know, social media. Cause my life is so crazy right now that I just can't handle the distraction. <laughs> I couldn't even get that out. Um, <laughs> I really it's getting in the way of vintage shopping. Dude. I really tried for a deadpan delivery there. I actually read an interview with uh, David Hyde Pierce, you know, Niles crane. Uh, mm-hmm. And he said, I forget who it was, but he was in the theater in Chicago for a long time. And because, you know, he's a fucking G and he was saying that, like, I forget who it was, but he saw this person deliver funny lines with a deadpan, 
you know, delivery. It was never any sort of like giggle or laughter or anything. It was just always like straight face serious. And he was like, and that's only, that's like the funniest shit I've ever seen was like a deadpan delivery of a hilarious line. And so, you know, now that I'm like going back through and like watching Frazier, I'm like, he never breaks when he delivers these like hilarious <laughs> lines. He's just like stone cold through the whole thing. And I'm like, fuck, that's so hard to do. And I try to do it conversationally and it just, I can't do it. I, I don't have the, the gumption for it, you know? Gumption, that's a word. Um, it's a real word. That I, I, I love when he does that as well. I can't, I can't do it either. I, I break. I think I break now more than I ever have because I spend so much time on video calls that like I have to force myself to break so people know that it's funny. Yeah, because otherwise you can't really tell. Like you don't get all the body language and everything. So you're like, oh, is is he seriously you know like talking about 9-11 or whatever and it's like no no it's a joke and I had to break you know I had to laugh a little bit halfway through it to let you know that I'm joking which fucking sucks it which brings me to the the overarching point of what I want today to be about I don't know what you had planned but I'm steamrolling it because everything sucks right now like everything is bad all right (laughs) (laughs) not like that not like you know the I mean the world is kind of shitty but like things you know the the stuff that we like you know all the all these frivolous you know items and things we want to buy and things that we look at everything is bad i have not seen anything good you know like i i have a lot of time i have a lot of time garrett so i'm just on the internet constantly i'm on grailed i'm on you know i'm i'm on uh fucking poshmark i'm on mr porter i'm on vogue i'm looking at runway stuff nothing is good music sucks fashion sucks everything sucks and i'm I've, i don't know what to do you kind of brought it up earlier today when we were texting but you, you you were saying like oh uh fucking it's a dark time for for menswear or for like men's style it, it's just dark in general there's just nothing am i am i being pessimistic or am i am i onto something you know you are being a little pessimistic you are also onto something um I think that right now men are listless in their style, actually and men and women as well. Like women's wear right now is absolute trash too. Um, people are the, the general public, I think is more aware. Not actually, no, people have always known for, for as long as there have been clothes, like that clothes mean something like it makes a statement about who or what or when, or like, what about me? What I want to communicate. But I think mm-hmm. people are more like leaning into it more overtly. Like there's not so much nuance. It's not like, ah, we're both wearing suits, but my tie is a knit tie. So that's casual. Or like, I have a bandana out of my left pocket that is blue. Or what's I- the, uh, what's the dye work wear thing? It's like, oh, the, the patch pockets, like this, is, this isn't a blazer. It's a sport coat. Couldn't you yeah. tell? How you don't understand this is casual. Yeah, I'm so casual yeah. right now. But it's fucking true. Like, there's no, I mean, like you said, like, there's no nuance. And I don't know if that makes us like the old men yelling at the cloud or if we're just trying to hang on to something that means something, you know. But see, the reason I get annoyed by it is like, it's even worse than that because it's, um, okay, so yes, nuance is gone. But even within casual where people are like, I need to be, the most casual, right? Like I need to communicate that I have 
the luxury of leisure. And so like all these wealthy people are wearing fucking Nike hats and like tight, uh, tight, what, what do you call them? Joggers all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is an old man yelling at cloud moment. But on the high, <laughs> high fat, so that's like every everyday lay person. Mm. On the high fashion side of things, people are like also trying to over compensate for the communication of like I know about high fashion so just mm-hmm. these like big fashion brands uh are putting out more and more gaudy pieces it's the logo mania yeah yeah the logo and like especially with the shoes like giant things not unlike uh Mr. Daniel Lee who has recently departed as of today breaking news coming coming to you here on these charming men yeah, so I was actually talking with my life partner about this earlier, and I told her that he had announced his departure, and she was like, so what does that mean? And I was like, well, funny you should ask, it could mean a lot of things. Um, what I'm hoping it doesn't mean is like this sort of mass exodus that happened, or like rearrangement of creative directors, what, like four or five year ago, years ago, when like Virgil went to Louis and Kim Jones went to Dior, and uh, they moved um was it chris van ash over to berluti and they kicked Hyder out and phoebe was gone and eddie Salman went to celine it was like this whole like shift and everything changed and all these brands went from like on the fence to bad for the most part and mm-hmm. you know it all started with one and now it's like everything changed and I'm it starts with one. It does start with one. Um, and, you know, I'm so I'm like telling her all this and she goes, OK, but what does that mean? And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't mean, I don't know what it means. I heard everyone. Uh, I didn't hear everyone. I read a lot of fashion people speculating on Twitter that he's going to Burberry. Because he was really successful at Bottega, Veneta. Oh, very, very much so. And I like what he did there, even though I don't think I would wear a lot of it. I think it was very cool and very interesting mm-hmm. and not it didn't. OK, so back to, you know, what we were talking about just a second ago with the uh, the craziness and the the overcompensation of the high fashion sphere, if you will, um, to me. And, you know, you may or may not agree with this. It, everything feels like costume mm-hmm. where there's all there's always been a very fine line between you know high fashion and costume and it was funny that I didn't it wasn't like a, an immediate realization for me but you know I went back and looked at some of the stuff from the Met Gala more recently after we had talked about it and it really kind of dawned on me that a lot of it looked just costumey and I think that is the direction in which a lot of things have gone. Like if you go back and look through all like, you know, 400 of the looks from the recent Gucci show or however many where there were, it might've been more. Um, It just looked like a lot of, there were some pieces in there, but it just looked very costumey. Okay. Wait, time out though. The Met is actually specifically though. It's like the costume Institute scala. But so what I think it is where, but what people wear to the Met is, in my opinion, the the very razor thin center of that line that is costume and fashion. They're like, mm-hmm. that's the whole point. True. When you Agreed. nail it, 
when you nail it at the Met Gala, you are on that line and not when you understood the assignment. (laughs) All right, relax. Um, But like, actually, like, and, you know, it's that line has become so aggressively blurred that you have people dressing in costumes now Mm -hmm. and like normal clothes just aren't, you know, fitting the bill or, you know, I don't, I don't know. It just, everything feels very exact. And I've caught myself, you know, leaning towards things that feel more like a costume than I think I would have worn in the past. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, totally. And I think I've been fortunate enough to be able to catch myself before I, you know, make, I mean, I make a lot of frivolous purchases, but like too frivolous a purchase where it would feel very like costumey and of the moment. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think honestly, funny enough um, to go a a different line. I've been really inspired lately by the recent trip I took to Paris, which I'd I'd never been before. Mm -hmm. And I think that a similar thing is I'm going to take the optimistic approach to what you're saying. So I feel like the costume to thing happened there, probably like in the seventies and and eighties, like think, think about Mm -hmm. how um, Karl Lagerfeld dressed every day with like four inch collars, like up his neck, like that was costume. And like cuffs coming out of the jacket and very like, he was almost in like tails every day. It felt like, yeah, it was very costumey. Exactly. And, and I think that being around that kind of like creative director energy, like the costuminess kind of like is just a part of the Parisian dress. They're, they're I mean, more extravagant than the average person for sure. Exactly. I mean, I was there early October. It was like 60 degrees outside, maybe like 60s, mm-hmm. 70s. Every person on the street was wearing like fantastical scarves Mm -hmm. Um, it was amazing and I'm totally making assumptions here but I think that like there's a line which couldn't be drawn between the the costume and how that plays out in real a real person's life oh for sure the optimistic take that I have is perhaps like we need to go really far into costume and people become comfortable with like quote-unquote playing dress up so that we can finally get out of this slump of people wearing athleisure, which is horrible. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. And I think there's definitely a line that can be drawn, like a line of correlation between those two things. However, if you look at, you know, let's say the 1970s to mid 80s here, things were very costumey as well in a different way. But things were very sort of exaggerated when you want to talk, you know, like, silhouette and fabrics and i actually saw uh a tiktok i think it was like yesterday or two days ago about um carpeting in bathrooms like if you go into a really dated house like the toilet lid has carpeting on it the whole bathroom is carpet like it makes no sense it's like so fucking crazy to see that but then if you if you think about it and this person was like explaining why this was or a a potential one of the reasons for why this was it was like okay we're out of the post-World War II, like we're on the, the come up economically, right? Like things are getting really good. There was the industry boom out of the 40s and 50s. So in the 60s, a lot mm-hmm. more people can own homes. And 
then you have access to uh, luxurious things such as textiles and furniture. And one of the most new and luxurious feeling textiles at that time was carpeting. So people put it fucking everywhere. And so there was a whole, it was like life was a production because there was so much excess at that time. And then, you know, I think there's been peaks and valleys of excess since, but we are now in a downward slope economically. I'm no economist, but like, you know, that's basically what I'm hearing from people who know more than me. And it won't be but another couple of years before we hit a lower low, maybe as low or lower than, you know, like an 08 or something like that. And then I think that will be the end of this exaggerative way of dressing that we have right now. And everything's like feeling very crazy and very, you know, colorful and print heavy and textile heavy texture and textile heavy and all that shit. And I think once we hit that low, everything will be much more subdued and mm-hmm. reflective of, mm-hmm. of that. Um, but it's, it's interesting that you, you draw that line with Paris because when I think of Parisians, I mean like accessories are to Parisians, what obesity is to an American. <laughs> like, it's just like, they know how to do it. Like it's the they thing really they do. do really well. Like we know how to be fat in this country and they know how to wear accessories. It's I've always been envious of that. Like every cool guy in Paris that I follow on Instagram or, you know, see on the internet or whatever, we could be wearing the same clothes and we typically are, but they have these like rings or this necklace and scarf and hat. And, you know, like, like I think a Parisian guy can pull off an anklet, you know, like, and I never, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's this thing that you can't get anywhere else, but there, you got to be there. You got to be in that environment. Like it's, it's so like specific area region specific Mm -hmm. and we have like i think micro examples of that in the u.s like if you see someone wearing like a a filled puffer jacket anywhere outside of new york you kind of look at them sideways you know what i mean yeah I, i gotta say the parisian style was the best street like consistently for my taste the best style i've, I've seen also like the sh- i think in no small part is it due to the shopping options there like no they uh, have the I same d- things as everybody else brute archives the best like hands down the best vintage store i'd, I'd ever walked into don't get me and started it, it was funny because i actually in america our vintage culture around especially around like like military surplus stuff that is catered towards like a hashtag menswear audience that has like moved Mm -hmm. on and wants to like incorporate like fatigues and stuff into their wardrobe it's all like instagram based there's not really like a physical presence Mm -hmm. honestly i don't really even know of one here in new york there's wooden sleep wooden sleepers not anymore it's gone oh they don't have the physical space anymore no. Well, okay. They have a new appointment only physical space in Yonkers, which is like 12 miles from the city. Yeah, right. So they don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but anyways, yeah. So I'd been to Wooden Sleepers. Wooden Sleepers was probably the closest America ever had to this, or at least New York, there, I should say. But but there's no no, there really isn't anything like it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 
and I've been to a lot of military surplus places throughout, you know, my travels in the U S because that's like, that's my shit. I love that. I have, you know, Vietnam era jackets and I have a bomber jacket from the early seventies. That's us air force. And, you know, I love that. You know, I do. And there's, um, all these places are like basically warehouses owned by some old veteran or, you know, some crazy guy who's just collected all this shit over the course of his life. And most of the time he doesn't even know what's in there. And it's like, it's not an experience in the way that like you go into brute, everything is like, you know, it's all there, anything you could want. And, you know, it's usually priced accordingly to what's there and they know what they have, but you can't find it anywhere else. And it's all there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, their, their stuff was was really really good also this is something that i think a lot of american vintage stores if if, if you're a vintage dealer and you're listening like start washing your stuff because everything Please. there like this this it was the first time i ever went to a vintage store that didn't smell old like everything smelled great and i think they literally yeah. just took the time and effort to wash the clothing and i was like you know what is this 250 dollars for american military pants that i could get that's an exaggeration actually their stuff was pretty reasonable like more so than you might think yeah like 85 dollars for like truly like worn in uh vietnam field jackets yeah not bad so okay well you've kind of like struck another chord in my brain of something i've been pissed off about lately and that is like the the vintage sort of like marketplace here i guess we'll talk specifically in the u.s Cause like most of the cool pages I find or cool stores or whatever, they're like South Korea, Japan, some in China, a couple in Hong Kong, you know, like these like really kind of far away places that I could never justify shipping costs. Or once I've translated the website, it's just a hassle or, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm not even talking about just like military anymore, just like general vintage, right? Like there's a couple that are like way out in front of everyone and they're making a killing like um what's the one in la it's a uh, unsound rags and Mm -hmm. they consistently find really good stuff and their inventory is turning over all the time but there never feels like a shortage of stuff there and it seems to be really well uh picked and just sort of properly orchestrated you know all that shit and then there's like um What's the other one? I think it's a no maintenance, um, which both of those uh, stores have like private label stuff. Like they'll do a lot, a run of like, uh, like cut and sew. Like I have the silk camp shirt that uh, I think no maintenance did. And then like unsound did their jeans, um, which I really had no interest in, but like, you know, they do like a more like, you know, quote private label and quote type thing. But like everyone else is like just sort of mimicking the style, like taking photos of things on concrete floors. And like, you know, it's like, dog, I can't, for the love of God, if I see one more rip thrashed pair of double knees for a hundred dollars somewhere, mm-hmm. like I'm fucking, I'm fucking over it, dude. Like you can't even find like a Russell crew neck for under like 80 bucks anywhere. That's like, you know, it's, it, it costs more than the original or like a brand new one. And there's nothing like, like if this piece that you're selling me or trying to sell me has like a story 
or if it came from somewhere and like you found it and it's like got this cool de- detail that I've never seen on like a crew neck or a hoodie, like, all right, cool. Like maybe that's worth me paying for, but otherwise like I'm good. And the other part of this that I'm really annoyed about is like every Goodwill or Salvation Army or whatever I go to is just so picked now mm-hmm. that like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like I can't find shit anymore. I know. I agree with you. Every vintage, uh, there, there's a, like a secondhand store in my neighborhood and they mm-hmm. put out their new stuff on site. It's like a charity shop. It's, um, fuck, what are they called? I don't remember. Um, just like anyways, one of these like four, four charity kind of like Habitat for Humanity, whatever. Yeah. Yes. But instead of like going to like some weird Christian army, it goes to, uh, AIDS. Okay, cool. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so very, so cool. Like, yeah. The, Much the better, Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn version of Salvation Army. Um, but sidebar, do you know they actually are a military? Like, they have ranks in, like, oh, shit yeah. like that? Scary. Anyway, twisted. Um, anyways, they have, like, new product goes out on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday, there's a, at, so, it, not Sundays, and they open at noon. Um, there's also a farmer's market that Anna and I often go to, we pass, we pass by the store and mm-hmm. at 10 AM there's a line around the block of like Jesus. vintage sellers waiting to get in. It's, Bro, it's, like, it, it's gotten really out of hand and I knew it had gotten out of hand. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, this is, this is just getting worse every day and you know, no shade to the brand. But when I saw that Ame was doing like a vintage drop thing of like a bunch of like just and it wasn't all clothes it was like there was some framed prints and there were furniture pieces and there was a couple like watches and like it was just a bunch of stuff right and i was like this is it like this is the end (laughs) of this because it's like i don't know where else we're going from here like soon like you won't be able to walk into a fucking goodwill or habitat for humanity or whatever and find anything from uh, Camille Leon uh, Doré. Bro, that fucking goddamn it. Sorry, um, I don't mean to undercut your point, but I, I agree. I mean, even I got I got to get off the internet. But yeah, yeah, we, we have we, you know, we have acquaintances and friends who are a part of this. So I don't want to speak too too ill on it. But um, I mean, even Jay Crew is doing like uh, vintage watch selection for like mm-hmm. whoever. Which is really cool, but yeah, it is kind of an annoying. And I guess we are have we've been interested in this long enough now to become old man last at cloud. Like I remember um, reading some Coggins piece about like, oh, uh, like I'm so tired of all of these like menswear guys like hiking up the prices of vintage barber. Like I don't even want to wear them now. Like looking for the more um, obscure thing. But like, there's going to be nothing obscure left. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's, um, oh fuck, what was it? It was like one of these websites, I forget, like did a whole like write up on this hoodie that they put, or it was a crew neck they posted and it was a camber crew neck from like in the, somewhere in the nineties, I think. And I had previously been familiar with camber, you know, they make really high quality, durable blanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like it's like the Rolls Royce of your fucking Fruit of the Loom or Hanes or whatever. 
And I was like, oh, that's cool. They're, you know, they found this like cool piece. And it was like a month later, this is probably like six months ago, maybe a year ago, I went to order one because I was sort of like on the hunt for a crew neck. And there were six months backed up on orders. And I was like, bro, like this is something that should always be available. It's like one of those things like it's crazy. So I ended up just ordering like a champion fucking crew neck and was like, whatever, I'll bite the bullet and just order the urban outfitter special but like it was just like another one another thing that communicated to me how fucked it all is agreed because like there is going to be no obscurity at all really and nothing is gonna like it's all gonna end up like devaluing itself that's why i'm trying to do as much shit that you can't get in america like that's that is what or like you can only get at one place that's why i think i love belgians more now than i even did when i bought them a year ago i'm like for sure you can only get them in in this one store you can't buy online yeah or i've been so tired of seemingly i guess i have mass market tastes in fragrance but my fingers on the pulse before like i find this niche perfumer while i'm in san francisco and i'm like oh my gosh like this is the best no one has mm-hmm. this. And then like a year and a half later, after I've I've worn Santal 33 enough to make it my signature scent, <laughs> the memes begin. This fucking Apparently. guy. Can y'all hear him? Yeah. He's crazy. But no, so, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. I do. I do. And it sucks. Like it's it's fucking bull, like it's bogus. Um, but it's funny you mentioned something like not necessarily like one-offs, but like things you can only get in certain places. Mm -hmm. And like, I guess that's like the kind of exclusivity we really have to hunt for now where the goal, I feel like this started probably like to become really a mainstream uh, collectively conscious idea was to make things feel very exclusive, but still offer enough so that a lot of people have it. And in doing that, nothing is exclusive now, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we just got to find out, you know, what, what, we're, what are we going to do at this point? Are we going to continue to try to make things more and more and more and more and more exclusive until like only certain people can only have certain things? Or are we going to open the market back up and let it all kind of mellow out? Or, you know, there, it's just like, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? And I've, I found that like my take or my like my point now that I'm my direction in which I'm going is just finding the classics that I really like. Like I don't buy new t-shirts. I only buy like thrifted blanks pretty much. And then I've got, you know, all the pants I could ever need. I'll probably buy more in the future, but you know, but like send me photos next week of new pants for sure. For sure. Um, but like, you know, these classics that I'm trying to like iron out for myself, like I've got more boots now than I ever thought I would own. And then, you know, like I like Converse Chuck seventies. That's like my sneaker. It's like really the only sneaker I own other than my like tennis shoes that I play tennis in. And like my loafers are Gucci 1953 horse bits. Those are the only ones I wear. I like them and I will continue to buy them for the rest of my life once every 30 years, once they wear out. And then like, I really honestly just 
got in these Doc Martin derbies, the Rick Owens collaboration. Uh, but it's, I think it's really working for me thus far and I really like it. And mm -hmm. so like ironing out these, like, and honestly, like this one goes out to you, but it's only after watching this, um, I'm working my way through this Fran Lebowitz thing on Netflix, uh, pretend it's a city and her uniform is just so fire, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like, she's got, you know, custom coats from ANS and, what Charvet shirts and selvage denim and boots like it, it all yep. just like works and it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like a fucking costume and it is just cool without even any hint of it trying to be and you know like i i gave up on trying to be cool like a long time like a long time ago like i stopped trying to like keep up with new music and because it's all trash and i don't really keep up with you know new clothes all that much unless it directly affects me because it's all trash and you know it's like i just want to find out finally i've gotten to the point in my life where i'm just trying to find out what i like <laughs> right after 20 after 26 years i have finally arrived here i even liked how you did the fran delivery on that last finally arrived here that was a, a real heads now i'll have to Can you tell you i've been watching yeah yeah i'm also i'm just totally agree with all of that i'm kind of at a similar place uh, in in my fashion journey and I'm really glad that you're watching the friendly wits I I thought you would love her I mean she's so unapologetic I think for the most part she stands on the right side of things like every you know what I mean it's like she's really about it um yeah I'm just glad you're watching yeah uh sorry you cut out there for a second I think my wi-fi is probably shit but um I got most of what you said <laughs> And um, thank you yeah, for your transparency. Of course, it's been um, it's been a great watch. And I realized that deep inside me, I think there's just an old, angry Jewish woman that just has distaste for many things. And yeah, I mean, it's all fine. Like, you know, like what you like, be into what you're into, whatever. But, you know, at least know why or be able to stand by it. And this is something that I enjoy about our group chat um, in which one of our members was commenting today on the uh, J press Todd Snyder announcement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, not to throw him under the bus, but he expressed a little uh, distaste for Todd Snyder, which I was somewhat perplexed by. Me too. And, me too. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, I wonder if this this friend listens to this podcast. Highly unlikely. Um, he's he's got, got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he's got a job, but um, and like he's got a job and a wife, and you know he's got shit going on. But um, yeah, it um, it kind of perplexed me because I was like, okay, I think Todd Snyder does a good job, mm -hmm. and I think he doesn't try to be anything that he's not. I think he just tries to put out good product. I think the LL Bean stuff is good. I wouldn't wear it, but I think it's good. Agreed. You know, this, that, and the other, yada, yada. I could go on. But, you know, it's like, I also don't really, I'm not mad at him for doing a little J-Press sweater. You know, like. Exactly. What do you think about all that? Like, I know there was some discourse today in the group chat but you know yeah i actually brought it up because i was like i don't get why people are so like like uh okay so 
backing up for the audience, J Press Heritage American Ivy brand is doing a collaboration with Todd Snyder. And uh, by the way, after this group chat, like talk about it, I actually received the catalog in the mail today. It's pretty much just like a couple shaggy dog sweaters in different colors. I'm nothing oh crazy. And Holy like a, a, a rugby shirt. That's it. That's the whole that's the whole extent of the collaboration. And I'm guessing like the tag on the inside that no one can see will be um, you know, have the Todd Snyder logo on it. But men menswear, I shouldn't say menswear broadly, but like especially like trad Ivy guys, uh, including our dear friend, are all like kerfuffled about this. Like they're very upset about it. They're like, how how like this is such a bad decision for J Press. Like, how dare they? Why would they do this? To pull a direct quote from our friend, he said, "Yeah, like, his it was like, why are you? I think Kelly, you asked, like, why are you against it?" And he said, "I hate the logo of Todd Snyder." It's like, same. <laughs> I agree. It just was like any like other logo, but doesn't mean the sweater is going to be bad. It's just a sweater. Yeah, I mean, but then he was quick to like kind of come back and say like, okay, but the corduroy suit's pretty good, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, we're not saying he's not a good designer, you just don't like the font, which is fair, because I don't think, you know, anyone in that group chat is particularly fond of it. Um, I don't, I, I doubt co- anyone in this group chat has ever bought a Todd Snyder thing. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't either. The fit is just off. It's like too short. So this is something I've noticed with brands like that or of like similar size. Like I always kind of group like Todd Snyder and Billy Reed, uh, my former employer, into the same category. And Billy's fit, depending on who you are, can also be off a little bit. Um, and I've been in meetings. I've been in fittings. I've been like through the process with them. And I'll see certain decisions get made where I'm like, huh, that's interesting that they would make it fit like that. But then when you think about it, if it fit like everything else, it would be everything else, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's like, that's the whole point is that it fits a little bit differently. Like it's a little bit shorter, a little bit fuller, or in like the case of let's refer to a a Sid Mashburn jacket where it's like the armhole is really high. It's not darted and it's trimmed through the body, but it does sit up a little shorter. And uh, you know, the, the, there are always going to be these certain things you can pinpoint about any different, or you should be able to pinpoint about some of these designers, and that's what makes them them. And while it's mm-hmm. not necessarily for you or I, that is a, an integral in, ingredient in the recipe for their success. And, you know, I can't necessarily knock them for, for doing things their way just because it doesn't work for me. I totally agree. Is, uh, is Sid Mashburn the most underrated designer of our time? He's one of them because his fit is you call out all these details and the fit is like perfect on most people well there's also an element of made to measure and tailoring there Mm -hmm. that a lot of brand that a lot of brands of a larger size can't really offer in a way that is cost effective so he has the advantage there like to be able to mass produce something with a fit that specific is almost impossible Um, yeah his stuff is small quantities sustainable more so than most other brands but and then that's where you cross from like the brands that we were just talking about over into like your 
I would probably group Sid Mashburn and Stofa into similar categories, even though they're not, mm-hmm. their models are not too similar. There are key similarities there when you want to talk about quantity, quality, uh, things they won't do, which mm-hmm. I always find interesting when certain, like there are certain brands who will do anything, right? Like, and they have to, like, you know, your J. Cruz or your Gaps or what, like they'll do anything because they have to offer almost anything. And that's just sort of part of the makeup of their brand. But with Sid, like it was a really big deal when they dropped pleated pants a month <laughs> ago or two months ago or whatever, which is crazy. Cause they were like, yeah, in the last like, you know, 13, 14, whatever, how many years it's been, we've never done a, a pleated, pleated pant. pair of pants ever, which is crazy. Because like J. Crew's done pleats on a season, off a season for like, you know, the last 20 and, you know, so on and so forth. But like and then Stofa in the same year was like, we're doing black for the first time. We're making black garment, which is like it was another big deal. And they had to do really cool, ra- by the way. Good for you. Very, bad for you. Very, good and bad for me. Uh, but a very big deal, so much so that they had to do a whole write-up on it in the same way that Sid Mashburn had to do a whole write-up and like a basically a fucking press release to justify why they're doing it. Because when you have a brand that will die on a hill for a certain thing or a, a handful of certain things, and then they, they do it, and, but they do it in a way that's very tasteful and very well executed, they still have to justify it to a customer because a customer doesn't know any better. A customer's stupid and will do whatever you tell them and will buy whatever you tell them because that's why they come to you. So if you mm-hmm. change something, they're going to wonder why they've ever listened to you in the first place. And so exactly. you have to go through this whole justification process. And it's like, and it's interesting when you have a brand that sits in the middle, like Todd Snyder, they don't, I feel like they're not doing a whole lot to justify a J press collaboration, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Because I think it, honestly, it fits. I think it works really well. Like that's the it, thing it does. That it makes sense about it makes so much sense. Also, the Todd Snyder retail experience is probably one of the best New York men's stores. Like, the, I was actually talking to you about this weeks, maybe like a few months ago. I was like, the yeah, like Todd you Snyder were there somewhere really recently. Underrated. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, they had one in stock of a fifty-fifty blend wool silk, um, Glen plaid sport coat so i went by the store which i had been to the their their let's say takeover of j crew's liquor store and it was Mm. it was like Mm -hmm. the same thing like i'd been there multiple times it's just such a tiny space because like it used to be a bar or or like you can only do so much yeah yeah they have like really limited stock but i had never been to the madison avenue store or well i guess it's not on madison avenue it's off of madison square park um store um which is funny because i work really close to there i just never never went and i was i was in the area stopped by to try on just to like see you know should i should i buy this fit was off so i did not buy but the store itself was insane like it was so good it's got it within the store there's a mascot an aesop a coffee shop a full-on tailor they sell like a lot of rubinacci accessories they they, like it's like middle of the road price wise on a lot of the clothes like slightly more than j crew but like significantly better quality 
than J. Crew. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot of like I think a lot of their tailoring is made in Italy, which is impressive. And, yeah, and like to Harry's like our our friend in the group chat. Um, oh, he, he doxed them. Sorry, bud. Um, but another one of his points was like about like the corduroy suit in the group chat was, oh, it's a uh, it's less than Drake's. And like, I think that's like the interesting thing about Zod Snyder is they sit right in that middle, like pretty, pretty similarly to Sid, actually, now that I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it, like their, their price points are very similar and well, and Sid's like a little the, higher, a little bit on some pieces and not so much, but like they average out almost the same Sid probably comes out a little bit higher, but their models are very similar. Like Sid carries, you know, um, Diptyque candles and Levi's jeans alongside their own jeans. And yet it's all this product that kind of sits with theirs and not just, it doesn't feel so random. Like he has Edward green shoes and Alden's and then they have their Mm -hmm. own private label shoes. And it's like, and Todd Snyder does things that are very similar. And I think that's very interesting that they both sort of found independent success with very similar models, but still feeling very different from one another yeah there are i feel like they are more sid is like really he really has the southern streak in a way that it I is think very is cool. southern it's very hospitable it's very warm whereas todd snyder is the more like it's new york it's cold but it's work it works and it's cool and it's like you can be a downtown guy a midtown guy a brooklyn guy and you can still shop at todd snyder whereas like sid's like yeah you can be from atlanta or you can be from mississippi you can be in south carolina or you can be from LA or New York and still shop here, which mm-hmm. you know, is, it's very interesting. How no, like you, after you go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say I'm fuck Effie Castleberry once again for stealing the Sid tagline. Sid is always like from Mississippi to Milan. Fred stole yep. that multiple times. Fraud. Fraudy Castleberry. Yeah, that's uh, he's you know why I got banned from Instagram. So fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Also, um, I'm just noticing uh, an Instagram message Keller from you a little while ago, uh, where you sent me a jound photograph of some. We need a soundboard. Some pants that are they look awful. Well, they're obviously in a fitting. You know, there's pins in them, and yes, they are pinned up. They're like trying to get it to fit like Graham's pants, tight to the calf. The angle's weird. You know, it might it might not be what we we are looking at, but it was interesting. The reason I sent you this was because the prompt in the caption is what ma- what was it like? What makes a good chino, mm-hmm. or something like that? And it was like a you know, whenever you crowdsource opinions on something, you're going to get a wide variety of answers. And it was interesting that the most referred to garment in the comments from what I could tell was Dickies. And mm-hmm. I don't even consider Dickies to be chinos because Dickies are not 100% cotton. And that to me is like one of the biggest things about chinos is that they need to be either 99% or 100% cotton to be a chino. And Dickies are like mostly not cotton they're mostly plastic yeah so i thought that was really interesting but it was like so funny that a lot of the people in the comments are probably not fashion people 
Mm -hmm. And that is, I always find those opinions to be a lot more interesting. The Dickies 874 is maybe the perfect pant fit. Fit, yes. I And I think it looks good on gen, like even on me, it looks decent. And like, mm-hmm. you know, even though I, I prefer a, a fit that is a little higher on the waist and a little trimmer in the leg, it still looks decent. Like I, I could probably get away with them in a pinch if I needed to. It's Whereas, relatively a, agreed for 25 bucks. Exactly. That's my point. Like you can't fucking beat that. Cause like my favorite pair of chinos that I own are uh, a 16 ounce drill cotton chino from Officine General. And they're like, 280 bucks or something fucking they're like fuck you expensive and i got them like on sale at another discount you know it was like i would never pay fucking 280 damn dollars for a pair of chinos because for most of my life i wore fuck the they were called the urban slim fit from j crew and they were not slim they were like a straight barely tapered leg like and they were super like cool guy chino Mm -hmm. And they looked all, they honestly looked like a pleated pant in the fit because they were a little higher on the waist, like probably a mid rise technically, but just had this really graceful, gentle taper. And they like, you know, how 10, 12 years ago changed up all their like fit options and numbered everything and yada, yada. And so they stopped making them, but they were just like a really good fit. And you know, I have, I haven't been able to find like a cost effective pair of chinos that I really like. So, you know, I was scrolling through Instagram and I guess I had saved that post from a long time ago and was like, oh, that's an interesting prompt. And I had never gone back and read the comments. And I thought it was really interesting because, you know, what is the perfect Chino? It doesn't exist, obviously. Everyone has their idea of the perfect Chino, Mm -hmm. but I don't think the generally perfect Chino exists anymore. There was an idea of a perfect Chino. Oh uh, yeah, okay. But like, what nice. chinos do you wear? I know you wear Dickies. Yeah, I've actually backed off of the Dickies. I don't know the last time I put them on. It's been a little while. They're so low in the rise. It's just really hard for me to get into it. They're pretty high, actually. Well, for, I don't buy. For, I don't. I don't do the eight seven fours. I do the. Oh, you the, do the slim ones. The slim straight, not the skinny. The, like, the eight. The straight leg ones are really high, actually, like about belly button. Okay, so maybe that's where I've gone wrong, or maybe I should just cross over into like the Ben Davis because I think those are cotton. Yeah, yeah, Ben Davis is probably better. I just hate the logo, but that's aside aside from the point. Um, Yeah, yeah, we're splitting we're splitting hairs here. (laughs) So actually, right now I'm wearing uh, my newest pair that I've I've really enjoyed. Um, which is the Spear and McKay Chino oh, Canadian? Right. Yeah, we, we talked about those. Yeah, you uh, for cost effectiveness, th- those were pretty hard to beat, right? Uh, yeah, they were under six, they were 55, very high waisted, um, 100% cotton. Yeah, I, I they're, they're great. I, I really like them. I wish they came in more colors. Which color did you get? Yeah, that's right. Brown. Um, Yeah, you know, I love khaki on other people. And then whenever I look at it on myself, I'm like, I I don't know. I I feel like a jock or something. 
Yeah, it always felt very preppy to me to wear khaki. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I did dress more in that way. Mm -hmm. But um, obviously, I, I don't wear any color now. But even like, you know, three or four years ago, I always leaned more towards like a, a British khaki or like a, a darker shade. And that just seemed to work more for me. It also felt more versatile for me. Um. Mm -hmm. that light that light khaki is like hard because i see it with like the navy jacket and the brown shoe and like it, it for as like it's deemed very versatile and talked about as being very versatile but it feels more restrictive than versatile to me i i agree with you i i don't find it that versatile that's what like also i guess i i find myself just naturally leaning more towards darker colors for sure so a dark brown to me is more versatile or like you know the the color in menswear that's referred to as like probably more versatile than khaki is like olive or like a dark green and like there's definitely a reason for that like i could ha i have like a couple olive jackets in my like vintage military collection and i know they could i could wear them with just about anything all of the black that i have and they would sit mm -hmm. in with that very nicely Absolutely. Um, and it, it, would, it wouldn't like pop in a way that I found annoying. But it's khaki is something that I've always struggled with. And I feel like that's the color that's probably most commonly associated with chinos is like that khaki Agreed. color. And it's just that the whole just the, the word, I guess, or the phrase just feels very restrictive. Um which is funny because you would think that if it was that restrictive or being that restrictive, there would be like the perfect pair out there, but there's not. You know, my perfect, my second place perfect are actually the speaking of khaki, the ones I wear the most are my boot boys screen printed chair pants that are screen printed on Dickies 874. The famous chair pants. The famous chair pants or infamous perhaps maybe they're both they are probably both something else uh shifting gears a little bit that we haven't talked about is um both of our newsprint debuts sold out oh, yeah. already of course sold through uh, a bunch of copies every copy ever made is gone but um, the first I, edition, I still haven't gotten mine, but it's fine. I actually just mailed yours today. I'm so, I'm such a an asshole. <laughs> I, I mailed all the paid customers that's, a that's full fair. week before I mailed all the people who helped me make the thing. Um, <laughs> your brother will actually receive one before you, because Fine. I'm seeing I'm seeing him tonight. But he, oh, I guess yes. he is still a paying customer. He's not getting it for free <laughs> just because his okay. bloodline's in the, in the pages. Yeah, no, hell no. You got to pay up just like everybody else. Uh, rightfully so, rightfully so. Um, yeah, the only person I couldn't bring myself to charge was... Uh, so Eric, another contributor to this newsprint, his, him and his girlfriend randomly stopped by our house and she was, she was like going to buy one. She was like, oh, instead of shipping it, you could just give it to me. And I was like... <laughs> Just take it. Just yeah, take exactly. It. Yep. <laughs> it feels very weird, like in in like a in in person setting, to be like, "Well, could could you Venmo me eight dollars?" Like, come on. 
Yeah, like, come on. Like, um, with fees and everything, it's like you're getting seven, and then it's like, you know, don't even bother. Exactly. But um, anyhow, we we made a debut in, in These Charming Men. Uh, we did. Shit. In between days. with I got the, what you meant. Our very first These Charming Men print ad, which I'm wondering, around the time this comes out, I think the paying people should be receiving theirs. I know some already have. Um, perhaps this will be our most listened episode, aside from the Pat- Patrick Kirk uh, from so- oh, yeah. Social. Uh, Official. Social official. Uh, Whichever. That is still, yeah, that's still our most listened social club official. I think I unfollowed. Yeah, that's it. Yikes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of funny that that's our most listened. Anyway, um, yeah, so I <laughs> so I actually, um, I meant to, yeah, really. I meant to talk to you about, you know, I need your help in updating my resume. I need to put writer on there too. I'm not just a fashion designer anymore. Um, I'm a published author. I'm a published essayist. You know, exactly. I, I write things and I'm going to continue to write things for future issues of, of this great print. You know, now that, now that print media is really almost completely dead, we have decided to come out with a newspaper. And if that isn't on brand for us, I don't know what else is. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I'm also looking on my phone at this moment and did you know that's a fake social club official there's two accounts i don't fucking understand what's the difference between lay club official and social club official they're both the same they're both run by the same people but not no it actually says one says by patrick fussiers our former disgraced guest and (laughs) (laughs) The disgraced Pat- Patrick Fussiers. And the other? The other says by Andrew Sotosani. Oh, uh, I thought they were, uh, yeah, I think, I think they may have been unified at one point, but perhaps no longer are. Maybe they had a falling out. Maybe the, someone got kicked out of the club. But like the other retain. You know, maybe, maybe it was like a big inner intellectual. Oh no, they're, they're still, they're, uh, they're related. And I think we've given them too much mic time. So um, yeah, be on the lookout for, for be on the lookout for issue number two of in between days. Um, We don't know what's going to be in there. Maybe, Um, maybe not. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, it'll be better than the first one. You know, second time's always better, right? Maybe. I, I think, don't know. I, I think we might do a pre-order so more people can get it because it sold out actually faster than I thought it would. And be on the lookout for a collaborative merchandise between In Between Days and These Charming Men. We're going to drop a little merch line. We're going to get you guys some branded lint rollers and toilet paper. You know, it's going to be fucking sick because the world's the world's on fire and, you know, the end is near. So you're going to need some prepper supplies and we got you covered. We'll just make toilet paper with Effie Castleberry's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> yes we have you to. like that um, we need we need to offer two roles one with fred and the other with fucking uh who's the clown in brooklyn um 
the vintage guy who blocked me. Uh, what's his <laughs> fucking name? Uh, Sean Crowley. Uh, Crowley. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I say it every episode. I'm going to keep saying it. Fuck that guy. Um, yeah. We're going to have to do alternating roles and maybe an honorable mention of like, uh, man, who could we, who else could we throw in there? Matt Hrannick? I don't know. We'll figure no, out. I like him. Uh, I know you do. That's your Lord and savior, but, uh, you know, I like his wife. I, She's he, cool. He's a, he's a fellow short King. And if his wife is cool, he's gotta be cool. He just knows how to play the game. He's literally, I think he's in on the whole bit is why I think he's cool. Like he just knows that these guys will eat it up, whatever he does. Like if he's like, haha Negroni, he's like, fuck it. Like I'll make these hats and sell them for $60 and people and will buy sell them. out. Yeah. They'll sell out. Like, Oh, like all these menswear guys are like into martinis now. Like, fuck it. I'll copy and paste my Negroni book. It's really actually like from all the things I've, read about him from other people i think he's just like he does not he does not care like if he'll make money he'll do it and you know what he's got a house in brooklyn he's got a house upstate he's got a house in the south of france i mean he's doing something right give him exactly um but as you once told me within every bit there's an element of truth yeah, totally. I think he actually likes these things, but I think he'll, he'll ham it up or whatever. I guess yeah, that's the best way to do probably. it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna sell something, you gotta be behind it a hundred percent. like I think and I think that's the frustration that people have with him. It's like more like the things he likes are actually, I would say pretty objectively cool. Like he likes cool watches, he likes cool old cars. He's a notorious fan of your beloved uh 1983 Mercedes wagon um like i think he likes cool things and has good taste i think what annoys people about him is like his constant posting but he i don't like i think that's his how he makes money so so you know i guess we can't all be influencers but you know Mm -hmm. good for him good good for him Um, i often wonder how his daughter feels about having an influencer father but that's aside the point that's another pod for another day Mm mm-hmm Well, I'm burnt out. Me too. Me too. Luckily, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and since we're a veteran podcasters, we, we can take the day to relax. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> God damn it. Okay, that's enough. That's enough out of us. Um, as always, if you've made it this far, you're probably unemployed or a terrible person, and we love you for that. Um, thank you for listening. And um, I have nothing else to add. Me either. Bye-bye.